Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Brandon Lilly is the author of The Cube Method and 365 Strong, as well as a respected strength coach. You'd notice him as soon as he walked into any room. He's one of the strongest human beings walking the planet. He has world-class totals in multiple weight classes, both raw and equipped. He's in the extremely elite 2,000-pound club, and when he gets multiply equipment on, he can pass a 2,500-pound total with ease. The guy's worked and consulted with athletes from SEAL teams, Norwegian SEALs, University of Kentucky football, Cincinnati Bengals, Pittsburgh Steelers, and numerous others, and helped them all optimize their own ability. Today's conversation is not about that, though. We sat down on a beautiful day in Chicago and really got to know Brandon as a human being. We learned about his backgrounds, his passions, and what makes him tick, as well as the optimistic and exciting direction the guy's headed. We had a great conversation with Brandon Lilly, and we hope you enjoy it. Where did you go to college? Berea College. Where is that? Uh, it's just south of Lexington. It's a liberal arts school. It's a really, really interesting history and very diverse Like from its origins. It was founded by a guy named John G. Fee, mm-hmm. 1859, uh, right at the, the battle point of Richmond. So it's, mm-hmm. in my opinion, having been north and having been south, it is the defining point of north and south. Like yeah. There's a lot of racial tension Um in and around that area when you go north you kind of lose some of the southern hospitality mm-hmm. when you go south of that line you get southern sweet tea and you know hold, guys holding doors for ladies and things yeah, like yeah. that and I grew up on the southern side of that so um, I was always exposed to it but in 1859 this preacher comes to town and said he was called by the bible by God to start a school non-denominational mm-hmm. it was only to be brought around the Christian principles of equality 50% black, 50% white in 1859. And they wanted to, wow. I mean, they wanted to hang him. They wanted to run him out of town. They wanted to do everything, but he stuck to it. So on that same note, um, the school has always maintained a uh, complete diversity segment. You know, as far as I think they were one of the first institutions to have a female president. They've mm-hmm. always been like, even in the eighties, I remember um, gay rights being talked about in the town when, when gay rights was not even a, an, an idea elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. So you have this really, really traditional Southern town and right at the epicenter of it is this small circular college that's beautiful. And it's actually the most well endowed liberal arts college in the country. It's wow. got the greatest endowment in the country and no student pays a tuition. You work, you, you work for your tuition. You graduate basically debt free. Um, you can take some Pell Grants and things like that, but essentially the, the goal being that when you leave there, you have got the strongest foot forward in life because yeah. now, and the other thing, the requirement was that the students come from Appalachia mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have had a chance economically to go to school anywhere else. Yeah. So that was a driving force for the work labor. You know, by the time you graduate, you've got four years of work experience in a work type setting where you're going to work yeah. based on your major, they place you wherever you're going to go. So you go to a, a business interview and, you know, they ask you general questions about what you did, what you do, what your experience is, and then they call your boss. Well, he's done exactly that job for four years yeah. and he's got a degree and so on. So it it was something that I didn't really appreciate until much later, mm-hmm. but it was a, a very big turning point in my life. And 
that's where I found painting. That's where I found writing, poetry, uh, a lot of the stuff that people don't necessarily expect from a guy like me. But I was encouraged completely by every single professor that I had there. I mean, yeah. like my biggest mentor there is a guy named Phil English. And he was a Michigan State grad. He's just a phenomenal professor. But the greatest question that anybody ever asked me in my life, in my life, I can't say it's a great question for everybody, but uh, because of the diversity in the classroom, because of the the racial tension that's in the world today that we tried to pretend wasn't present in that college setting, he's you know he asked us. He said, "How many of you white people don't like black people? How many of you black people don't like white people?" And nobody raised their hand. And he said, "Awesome! This this project, this thing called college, is working great." Hmm. He said, "Let's cut the bullshit." And then he said, "Doesn't make you a bad person. Just talk about it." So I grew up maybe a, a couple students from different races in my, in my high school and whatnot. So it's still new. It's, it's like, it's not a, that I don't like them. It's just, I don't know. I don't understand. And he said, well, what about God? You believe in God? I said, yeah. He goes, why? Because your mama told you to, or because you got your, you got your hands dirty. Did you ever figure that out? And I was like, cause mom told me to. And he's like, all right, let's go a little deeper. And he just kept asking question after question. And every single thing I ever believed in was because somebody told me to believe in it. Not because I'd ever, done the, the leg work and the yeah. the back work to do it you know i never i think most people are like that they're they're spiritually empty because they don't know what the hell they believe they just they believe in something because somebody told them it was there some somebody said it was the thing they should believe in so i stepped back and I've, i felt totally foreign to myself i had no idea who i was because he had just shook my foundation if god isn't real what's that say about me you know um not that god isn't real i don't know I'm not arrogant enough to say that he isn't, but I haven't seen enough to say that he is. So I'm always searching. That's that's kind of where I am with everything. If you can show me something today that changes my belief on training, I'm gonna I'm gonna believe that. Right. You know. So I'm very open minded. Um, I've learned to uh, to stop judging people because I've been harshly judged. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's it's just one of those interesting things that I don't know where my life would be. If it wasn't for the for that day, that question, hmm. because it totally shifted everything. Every single thing about my life changed that day. That's amazing. That's such an interesting story, dude. I, we, so we got to dig into a lot of things here. Uh, number one, we just uh, some of this stuff like sounds like you can maybe attest to this stuff that I would say. First of all, like I think the only way to be absolutely to guarantee that you will be wrong someday is to believe that you are absolutely right yeah. about something, mm-hmm. like like higher power, or whatever. Um, not, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I know like a touch about neuroscience and like the sure. complexity of the human brain. You like people get that it's complicated unless you study it. And, and you know, I'm on the low, low end of the neuroscience totem pole. Sure. Okay. But the complexity of that is so unbelievably vast that like to assume that like because whatever you read a New York Times article on and you know what like the amygdala is yeah. that you could assume that you know how like the like how human beings operate right and uh make these wild jumps in in what is essentially governing this whole thing yeah uh and i won't go too far down that road but like like painting and poetry i get that all the time i used to be um i'm about 230 now i used to be about 270 Mm -hmm. Uh, i was trying to play football uh did for a little while uh but but that was always a question people couldn't believe that like wait you paint you write poetry and then eventually someone i'm happy that you're sharing it today because uh people are like well you you have to share it, right? Right. The, the divide would be artificial. Right. Like you've got to show people that it's like it's okay. The to thing be- with, the th- not to cut you off, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but the thing about it is, 
he also challenged me um, in different ways. He got me into acting. He got me oh, in, wow. into theater. And the cool thing about Phil was he said, I want to do plays that would absolutely crush your soul if you were a trained actor, but I will never, ever take a trained actor. I want to work with people who have no experience. I want people to connect with a story, and you tell me that it makes sense. Like we were talking about in the car on the way over a song. Like, dude, I've been a feeler since I was a kid. Like, I can hear a song, and I'll just... I mean, I'm wrecked for days. Like, I, I, that's even what I posted in my Instagram today. I've been listening to that song, Follow You to Virgie, um, for about a month now. Like, I've had my grandmother on my mind. I'm getting emotional talking about it right now. But, man, I can feel her when I hear that song. And so we, we read some pieces, and it was just some heavy material. And as soon as I started reading them, it felt like it was me, but it wasn't me. Like, I felt like I was channeling a character um you know the voice was was there like i understood it to the point phil said that's your part you yeah. you got it and um that led into me doing about seven different parts for him over the next few years i mean some were monologues some were were bigger productions and whatnot but it was it was a challenge on every level and the, the other side of that coin that he asked me too is he said if you believe in something how much do you read to reinforce it or how much do you read to challenge it Hmm. He said, if you really want to believe in something, read everything that opposes it. Yep. You know, learn your enemy inside and out. And then if that stands up to all that, then it's probably worth believing in. Yeah. And um, he said, that's the same thing too. And uh, you talk about relationships and friendships. He's like, you're never going to know what a friend is until you put them through the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, if they stand with you through the trials, they're a pretty damn good friend. How many people do we associate as, oh, that's my friend or that's my, like I talked about it in that piece I just read to you. Yeah. We, we just, I love pizza. I love a t-shirt. I love this. And we, and I was an English major. So we've dumbed down the meaning of words to the point that they mean nothing. So if they mean nothing, our assignment of, of explanation means nothing. What do we mean? Who are we? You know? So if everything is disposable, everything is interchangeable and then our words have no meaning, to what they're really meant to mean, you know, um, what they're really meant to mean. That's a terrible way to say it, but you know, (laughs) if, if they've really lost their original intention, right. Then what are we defined as? What are we now? You know, 100%. And you want to know where that gets even more complicated. Have you you ever heard of this guy, Steven Pinker? Yeah. You know, you like him? Yeah, I do. Have you read this book? No, I have not. If you, if you want, you can have it. Okay. Uh, it is like the real complication, I think um, whatever we're in a world of like hyperbole sometimes or just the misuse of words and the issue then is because like if we use words to like encapsulate uh, all of this our experience mm-hmm. then our thoughts are like they, they follow the same system mm-hmm. right so like it, it, they're just like pushed and driven by the words that we're using it's like it's like why negative negativity is like a spiral right right because it, you, you start to like the puzzle pieces that you're using to put this whole thing together uh, they tend to be negative. The words that we use matter, right? right? And, and you hear people say like, "Ah, oh, it's not a." But you know what I meant. Right. Well, I'm okay, especially from our perspective. If you're a coach or you're impacting right. people or like you, you're an influencer in any way, uh, maybe they didn't know what you meant. You ought to be deliberate about it. Well, right? you know, I think it. I think it's a shame and really a tragedy that, as a species, or you know, as an evolution of species, we evolved to develop this articulate pointed language and ability to, to discuss and understand and we dwindled that down to an emoji you know hmm. uh, how many times do you 
But, I mean, here, here's a serious question. When was the last time you hand-wrote a letter to someone? Uh, might be the wrong guy to ask. That's okay. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. Recently. But I'm glad, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, But But I know what you're but saying. But, man, sure. I'm telling you, I can, I can sit here and text something, and it can be as heart-pouring as, as anything I've ever written. Just like what I read before we got on, yeah, yeah. on this. And I never feel it unless I put it down with a pen on paper. Mm. And I, I never process it the same way. So I would have to think that if I never process it on the, on the front end, it's never received the same. Mm. You know. And how many times do the words, I love you, get shuffled into a heart emoji or an ILU? You know, and I know this is really strange, but if we're willing to sacrifice something so heavy, like to me, love is the greatest thing that a human being can ever have. Mm-hmm. It is the absolute heaviest thing a, a person can ever and ever endure. And to just throw it away under that, well, hell yeah, of course we're going to fuck each other over. Right. You know, right. it, it, it means nothing. If right. I, you know, I, I can tell you that that's one of the hardest things I've ever said to another person. You know, is is those words because I truly try to challenge myself to understand what they mean, uh-huh. and I try to look at people who love me and ask, would my love for this person or what yeah. I perceive as love for this person stand up to the way that my mother loves me or yeah. the way that my grandmother yeah, yeah, yeah. loves me? And a lot of times, if it doesn't match that criteria, it's not coming out of my mouth. You know, and don't get me wrong. I will absolutely send an I love you text, you know, it just in the in the spur of the moment. Right. But I'm going to make sure that action leads the words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, well, and, you, and there's a difference right there. You can send someone like, I love you, man, whatever. Yeah. But to like look someone in the eye, especially like in a relationship capacity. Sure. Well, you know. I'm the, I'm the same way, by the way. I've said that to two relationships in my entire life. Yeah, we're, yeah. De- we're devolving in a lot of ways. I mean. The technology has made life so simple that we've had to we've had to like sacrifice, and I and I hate talking about the struggle, but as people, life has gotten so damn easy that we just take everything for granted: hmm. friends, relationships, love, money, everything, and we just expect it to to just be ongoing and forever. Because I don't think we quantify that we're going to die. Hmm. The greatest gift for me is realizing I'm 36. And after all I've done to myself through the sport, through living mm-hmm. as wild as I could live, my life is probably nearing halfway over, if not over halfway over. Hmm. And, man, I'm t- I was telling somebody today, I'm trying to ring 48 hours out of 24. You know, people see me, oh, well, you're at the beach, you're here, you're there, you're everywhere. I'm like, why the hell not? You know, I, I, my mom wants to go to New York City so bad she can't stand it. I'm like, it's 10 hours, go. Yeah, I yeah, used to. Yeah. I used to. I wanted to train at Westside. I drove six hours a day, four days a week, Seriously? just to train there. Yeah, and it it made sense. It's like this is my dream. If somebody told you you had to do six day six hours one or round trip four days a week for a million bucks, would you do it? Everybody'd take that up. But would you do it for your dream? Hmm. Would you sacrifice everything for your dream? And, and it's hurt people in my life, but I've done that. Like. I got real selfish about my dreams and rather than aligning myself with people that love me and cared for me and saying, Hey, we'll help you get there. It just may not be right now. We'll help you get there. Yeah. I just said, no, screw you guys. I'm going, I'm doing this myself. And that's when it became a problem. Like, Mm, right. Because other people do matter. And I think you can try to be that. And I'm using quotations, that lone wolf or that alpha male. It's a pretty lonely place, you know, especially when you fall and, 
I literally fell on a platform, you know, on a competition stage. Yeah. But um, other people fall. How much weight was on your back just for contest? 760. Yeah. You know, it was a weight I'd done 100 times over. Yeah. Um, it, and it was just something that I, again, I took it for granted. I was like, yeah. oh, this is going to go. Yeah. I didn't feel 100%. I, I was, it was all ego. And, you know, that was something we talked about on the way over here, too, was just the fact of what the hell is an ego? It's It probably did me some good, but if I were to weigh the good and the bad, it's probably a lot more bad than it is good. I'm probably sitting here because of things that I did because of my ego, but the story's worth listening to because of the bad shit I did because of my ego. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> fair. That's just, well, I like, you mentioned before the drive in you. I would imagine... Um, I think the more power, the more drive you have, the longer it might take to tame, to tame it. Well, we were talking about this, and I've shared with a couple of friends, real friends lately. You know, my family lineage is my dad's a Lily, but the other side is Brock. And where I come from, there's probably some great Brocks out there in the world, but where I come from, Brock is is outlaws. You know, and my granny, she always told me, she said, "You're the last Brock." And I always had a wild streak. I always, you know, it wasn't disrespect, but it was in school. It was like, I just felt it was stupid. I felt like it was a waste of my time. Curfews were a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just bucked everything in my whole life. And I tried, I tried to stuff myself, you know, the square peg into the round hole. And I, I literally did it until I think I had a detachment. Like I, people say it in a bad way or people feel like it's a bad thing, but I think going crazy was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. My grandfather died. I lost my job at General Motors. Family was falling, like, relationship was falling apart. And then my granny died. And I was like, man, my grandfather, all his life, all he ever said was, I just want to die happy and I don't want to die in a, driving a truck. He was a semi-driver. Yeah. He died in a truck. Ah, fuck. Six weeks later, my granny, the most religious woman I'd ever met, always talked. She'd be rubbing her cross. Well, she said, the only thing she ever prayed for, I don't want to outlive my boys. Her oldest son died eight weeks prior to her death. My grandfather died six weeks prior to her death. And then she just, she took the cross off and she said, he forgot my prayers. So here's a lady who I identified as religion at the best, at the best of religion. I looked at her as like, man, that's, that's how a religious person should live. Yeah. And her prayers weren't answered. Hmm. My grandfather, all he wanted to do was die at old age at home he didn't want to die in his truck he died in his truck I freaked the hell out I was yeah. like man I'm going to die doing something that I don't want to do I might as well do everything I want to do hmm. and that was that, that was the genesis of everything for me um, good choices bad choices hurting people loving people I mean it was it was anything and everything in between but I did it from a place of detachment like yeah. I was I was unhinging myself from everything that had grounded me mm-hmm. and I got lost I mean I got lost way out there deep water and I'm just now swimming back to shore but I know I can swim in those deep waters mm-hmm. but I don't have to stay out there you know I can, I can go out there I can come you know I can do things I can experience things I can go to a totally new city and I could submerge myself in an alley and talk to a homeless dude for three hours yeah I've done it like yeah. <laughs> many times um, I can do it sober. I can do it stoned. I can do it anything and everything between. But I would have wondered. Yeah. You know, I would have wondered. Like some of the best people I've ever met are those people, because nobody wants to end up homeless. Mm-hmm. You can learn a lot from somebody that's in a position like that. Like how the hell did you get here? 
people want to point to mental illness. People want to point to this or that. I met a lady the other day, and I posted it in my story. I don't know if you saw it. Um, she was hiding her arm, and she straightened her arm out. She had track marks. Yeah. She apologized. And I said, what are you apologizing for? She said, I'm sorry. She said, I, I wear every heartbreak on my arm. And I realized just then, we all wear our heartbreak somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there are people who will never be in a functional relationship because of something happened to them as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and it may not be a track mark, but it's something. It's yeah. somewhere. And um, I find it hard to judge a person like that. She's just coping the best way that she can. And yeah. for me, fuck, if people knew every story, every turn I took, I wouldn't want that out there. You yeah. know? But I'm proud of the guy I see today. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I like that metaphor of you got, like, I'm sorry for the stuff that you've had to go through. Well, I'm but, not. But, but well, I, I'm, I know what you're saying. But, yeah. the, like, I'm, but on the back end, there's almost like an empowerment. Sure. You don't want to be out at sea. Right. But you know you can swim if you have to. Yeah. That's like an empowering thing. Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of people buy into this self-help kind of bullshit that's promoted over and over and over. And I'm all about it. Like, get better, for sure. Yeah. But... A lot of people think, oh, you can start today. You can start today. Yeah. Well, what about in three or four days when it kicks you in the teeth? You yeah. know, because we're all crabs in a bucket, right? The one that's trying to get out, everybody yeah. else pulls you back down into whatever you're in. It's not one choice. Yeah. If you took a, th- nobody wakes up and says, I want to shoot heroin in my arm. It's a thousand choices that put you there. Yeah. Little ones. So it's going to take a thousand and one choices to start digging yourself out. Just to start digging yourself out. It's a thousand and one to even start. I'm I'm so happy you said that for real, and I hope that's something that like any coaches listening to this like really pay attention to. Yeah. Part of I'm I'm I feel super lucky to be speaking at the uh, the NSCA conference coming sure. up. I in pretty much every every speech I give, regardless of where it's at, try to reference how much I hate the "bad as you want to breathe" video. Yeah, you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. And I'll tell you this: I so we're in Chicago mm-hmm. when uh, when I've got to be up at my job early and I'm out there scraping ice from my car at five o'clock in the morning. Videos like that kind of get me moving, whatever. Sure. But it's, but it's like Mountain Dew, right? It's like sugar and caffeine and then it, and then it wears off. Cause it should, things like that, like it, it's kind of like what you're saying. Like, just like, just go, just get up and move. Like I'm getting pissed off now. Like fuck you to some people. Again, we're in Chicago. Yeah. To, that is uh, coming from a very privileged place sure. to say just get up and go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, for some for some people, it takes all, all the grit in the freaking world to get to school in the morning. Dude, I'm telling you, we've had this conversation, and this goes back to what we were talking about. You and I have had this conversation somewhere out there in the atmosphere somewhere because I was I, – I knew you were going to talk about this. I don't know why. Yeah, I like I, this it. is twice now I've said it. Yeah. So, the uh, the weed must be pretty good, I guess. But uh, <laughs> no kid, there's no weed here. I'm just saying in my past. Fair. But uh, in reality, I had something. I, I, there's a meme that goes around of me in in one of those moments, and it's like, if somebody puts your head underwater right now, mm-hmm. how hard would you fight? Right? How hard would you kick and scream and claw and bite? You would do everything. Mm-hmm. Dude, somebody's got your head underwater right now, and it's called life. You got 70 years. You're on the timer. You know what I mean? 70, 80 years, top. 70 years, a great life. And Netflix and chill? Yeah. You know, I told you, what what did I say when we started? I'm trying to ring 48 hours out of 24. I'm trying to double down on every moment I got. Mm -hmm. And I think that we get into this lull of, you got to live. You have Mm -hmm. to live. Mm -hmm. But man, the wasted time, the wasted potential, the wasted effort, 
dude, it, it drives me crazy. And yeah. I look back at myself and I look at things that I did and, and maybe I, maybe it was worth it. Maybe it, whatever somebody's going through is worth it. But what I wanted to get back to your point on, yeah, it's really easy for Gary V to give you a motivational video. Right. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like nothing against that guy. No, I'm with but, you. He ain't worried about where his next check's coming from. Mm-hmm. He's not worried about where his next meal's coming from. I've been that dude. Yeah. I've been homeless. I've been without food. I know exactly what it feels like to wonder what the fuck. Yep. And there's a resiliency in figuring it out. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have that drive myself. Yeah. I wanted to get better for powerlifting. Mm-hmm. I had something that gave me hope. I don't know what happens to somebody when they don't have hope, you know? I don't know because I'm so I, jacked up right now. I talk, but I, you know, like we were talking about before, I used to go into Waffle Houses at three or four in the morning, like wired up, excited to meet somebody that problems were worse than mine. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They didn't want to get there. They didn't want to be in that spot, you know. And I tell people this all the time: the next time you want to go cheat on a girl, think about her when she's three years old and her dad told her she was a princess. <sighs> You know, think yeah. about her when she was five years old and she believed that some that dude was going to come save her life and be a, be a be a prince charming, or think about you when you were a little kid and you thought you were going to be an astronaut, and you sold all that out to to do whatever. You know, something kicked those dreams down. Something kicked that hope away, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the school systems. I don't know if it's a bully. I don't know what it is, but man, I know what it feels like to lose hope, but. I still had something that I was anchored to. Mm-hmm. The belief that, man, if I can just be good enough at this, everything else will get fixed. Even if it was a bullshit dream, even if that was total bullshit, I was believing it. So you have to believe in something. And I think when people lose belief in, the, in everything else, they've already lost belief in themselves. Yeah. You know? So I don't know, man. I, I think you do know. I think you're full of shit because you, you're saying things that are like everyone needs to hear. I, so I, I got to go back to this. You, you get like in this one stretch of, of words, you say too many good things. I have to come back to them. So <laughs> let me, right. I just got to double down on the like, let me say this. The battles I want to breathe guy, I believe that he's well intended. I just don't think that's an actionable, realistic no. thing to say. No. The Gary Vee stuff, I think it applies to a lot of people. Sure. But some people don't have the options that you're talking about. I also don't think you should be directing people to live on four hours of sleep or whatever. Motivation is cocaine. Yeah. It's going to feel real good for a minute, and then what? Right. You need more of it, and then what? Well, so so this is some, this is also in the present. It's I, I try to differentiate. It's hype versus motivation. Yeah. It's like hype can get you moving, but it's like, the and then what? Motivation. I think we've, because of Instagram in part, we batch process motivation. Like Gary mm. Vee is motivational. I don't think he's motivational. I think he's hype. Yeah. Right? Maybe if he sat down and was able to consult with you, he could write, you, you guys could write out a plan together, and now there's motivation. Motivation, definition of which being provide someone a motive to do something. But right. it, and then a series of actionable habits and stuff like that. But I just, I just think these are incredible things to say, and then to bring it full circle, dude, like, we're in that world now. Sure. Uh, like, this, how passionate you were about powerlifting and whether or not it was going to solve something you thought that this was the thing that you ought to chase. The, the, the double meaning of the good athlete project, it's not like the sickly, sweet, do everything right project. Yeah. It's like capitalize on the momentum of a kid who shows up wanting to be good at football or good at powerlifting yeah. or basketball or whatever and, and try to redirect that right. or, 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 or just build on that momentum. Yeah. And, and we are hoping 
and we're lucky to associate with a lot of really good people and hopefully be working that direction with with many more through our consulting and all that kind of stuff. But uh, to find you at that age and get get the the mentor in that space linked up with your best interests, well, I mean, that, that's a power that, like you said, that might not happen in, in yeah. any other area of life. Well, you know, I, I think about people all the time that that look at you know any internet celebrity and i I fucking hate the god i want to punch myself in the face for even saying that but you know it is it's a reality that we live in right Mm -hmm. most of them are full of shit most of them are broken and even if they are successful like we talked about previously are they really content are they really solid in who they are they put out this image of i'm this or i'm that or i've got money or i've got that okay are you are you really would you do it for free Mm-hmm. Would you do it for free? Because I would. I would do what I do for free. I've done it for free. Fuck, I've paid money out of my pocket to do it, you know? And um, the thing about it is, I've been that guy that bought in and was like, okay, let's let's sell this ebook and make a bunch of money. Fuck, man. I'm a writer. And I sold mm-hmm. an ebook that I look at and it's like, okay, it's a, it's a series of articles that were compounded together, polished on a little bit, and put together and sold for X amount of dollars. And I got X amount of dollars out of the deal. Mm-hmm. I do not look at that as a standard of what I would have written. Right. I look at it as things that I wrote because it was presented to me in a situation where I was fucking broke. Mm-hmm. I was falling apart. But on Instagram, man, shit looked great. Right. You know? And uh, people look at me now and I hear all the time, oh, he's got it made. He's got this. He's got that. Dude, I got in my truck and put $62 worth of gas in it and I drove here. Yeah. If you don't have $62, you probably don't need to be driving to Chicago. Yeah. I would have done something different today. I would have worked in a field or I would have coached somebody or done this or done that. It was 62 bucks. Mm-hmm. But I had the balls and the in the drive to get here. Like right. I wanted to do it, you know, so I did it. That's what's missing for most people is they mm, won't take fair. the chance. You know, it's like I tell my mom, she wants to see New York at Christmas. Okay, let's fly. I'm afraid of planes. Okay, I'll drive. That's too far to drive. Okay, I'll get you a Greyhound bus ticket. That's too far to ride. Okay, then what are you really saying? Right. You don't right. want to see New York at Christmas. Right. You're just saying you want to see it on the TV screen. Don't bullshit yourself and don't bullshit me because I'll get you there. Right? One way or another. And that's what people's problems are with their dreams. They see other people's dreams and they want that. They don't mm-hmm. even answer their own questions going back to the belief system. Yeah. What the hell do you want? What do you want in your life? Because people don't even know what they want. I ask a very good friend of mine that, that very simple question. You know, going through the motions, feeling frustration, feeling like they're not getting anywhere. Where the hell are you going? Mm-hmm. Answer that, and then maybe I can help you get started. Right. But most people just say, I want to be this. Okay, that's good. But what are you now? Why are you wanting to be this? Because maybe that ain't for you. Right. And maybe we just need to accept that. Just stay in your lane, do the best that you can do in that lane, and then when you get a little bit better, then you can work on the next dream and the next thing. And people just get bought into this, like, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I I don't know. I like I say this with total respect for everybody that's out there. Louis Simmons told me this many many years ago at Westside. He said, "All you guys are trying to be known, and I'm just trying to be dis- I'm just trying to disappear and be forgotten." Yeah. He's like, I wanted to put something out there in the world, and if it was worth a shit, it's going to go on. Right. It doesn't need me to go on. Right. But we're so self-absorbed and so self-centered, and it's like, I got 115,000 followers. I'm moving next week, somebody. Somebody show up. It ain't happening. 
Because I posted out there, I posted out there one time. Hey, I'll be here, four thirty a.m. Who's coming? Let me show you my phone right now. Because Wait, give us some more context. This was one. This was last fall, and I put it out on Instagram. Yeah, I get up. Oh, dude, I'd love to work out with you one day. I'd drive forever to work out with you. I'd fly to work out with you. I said free workout, four thirty a.m. Be at this gym. What's that say? <laughs> the one motherfucker, the one MF that showed up. Exactly. That's in my phone. He's in my phone. He's a great dude. I've stayed in contact with him. Yeah. That is the one motherfucker that showed up. Huh. Out of all the people. And, and how many people must have seen that? You said. It was in my story. I mean, twelve to fourteen thousand. See, right. see an right. average thousands. story on mine. Right. And I got at least a half dozen messages before I went to bed and woke up to at least thirty more saying we'll be there. Yeah. I woke up at 3.30 to be there at 4.30 right. because I said I was going to be there at 4.30. Mm-hmm. That guy left work early, took two hours off of work because he got off at 6. Yeah. Left at 4 to be there at 4.30. The one motherfucker that showed up huh. and trained his balls off. Yeah. So that's life in a nutshell right there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talkers out there. There's a lot of people that put on, and I've been that guy. I've put on. Like I've put on like shit was good when it wasn't. I'm telling you, if you're looking at Instagram for inspiration and motivation, you might as well be just kissing away dreams, dude. Right, Because right. it's all, there's so many people out there that don't have it together. There's a few that do, sure. for sure. But most people are just fronting. And, and yeah. I learned this the hard way. When I got hurt, I was a powerlifter. I was Brandon Lilly, the powerlifter. And when I got hurt, now I'm just Brandon Lilly. Yeah. Because I'm not strong anymore. And guess who quit calling? All these people. Oh, I got your back, bro. Whatever you need, man, I got you. I'd love to work with you one day. Hey, man, text. No reply. Text. No reply. Text. No reply. And then when I start getting stronger, oh, bro, how you been, man? Great to see you getting back on your feet. Fuck you. Yeah. Because that's who people are. And I'm not mad about it. I just had to learn that the hard way. Yeah. So my circle got real small. That's mostly people you threw social media. People that I would have classified as as people that I looked up to or people that I classified as people that I thought were my friends Mm -hmm. dude I'm telling you you got your family and family isn't always family Hmm. you know um, I say that for for a lot of people because there's some hard situations out there but whatever you define family as those people that you know will be there fuck a bunch of Instagram sit down and talk with them take them to dinner buy them a beer talk to them because I can tell you, there was a time in my life, the day I fell, my mom and dad didn't even know where the hell I was. And I was getting messages. I probably got 2,000 messages the day I fell. And that's not an exaggeration. The day I fell, man, I hope you're better, I hope you're better, I hope you're better. I called my dad. He said, this could have been a phone call I didn't know how to make. Because hmm. we were that far out of contact. You know, I fucked my family up left and right because I thought I was bigger than, than everybody else. I thought I was more important than my raising. Hmm. You know, and... All for what? A few bucks. Yeah. So, if you're out there and you're grinding, I respect the guys that are doing it that are unknowns because it's much, much harder to do it as an unknown than it is when you're getting paid or known or whatever. So, just be real to yourself. Whatever that is, I would I would have more respect for you sitting in a Waffle House strung out on heroin <laughs> than I would being a bullshitter. I've been a bullshitter and I fucking hated it. it the, yeah, I'm with you, dude. I think... Um... And the truth is, I think that everyone who is bullshitting knows it. 
Oh, they all do. You, you know, you feel it. There's an emptiness that comes with stuff like that. Listen, man, the, the whole world is, is aware. Yeah. We're all being sold something, mm-hmm. you know, and like even this podcast, it, it's selling something. It, sure. And, and even if it's not currency, even if it's not monetary, we're selling an idea. We're selling a belief system. At least sell something worth buying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, make, it, make it real because for sure. where we are right now, as, I mean... This is way off topic. I'm probably Go sure that's what you're thinking. Go but I just think, I think as a people, we're hurting. And the the number one question, what does every single person in this world want? To be I, happy. That, I, right? Yeah, I said, so everybody yeah. wants to be happy. Why the fuck are so many people unhappy? Yeah. Because it ain't a self-serving thing. Yeah. They say self-improvement is masturbation, right? It only fixes one thing. Right. It doesn't fix the problem. The problem is everybody. You can fix yourself, but then what? Like, there's enough to go around. Mm-hmm. We're a tribal, societal, communal being, a species of that. Yeah. But we've made it all about ourselves. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that bothers me. It, it should because it's, we, cause we are it's, – it's weird how every conversation ultimately will come back to this, in my opinion, because it's like – If you want to get real about it, it'll come back to it. If, if you eventually – that's exactly right. Because, like, the – here's the thing. I don't know. We won't get into politics, but sadly, the the brightest minds in the world are not in politics. They're behind this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They they are they're the people who understand human nature the best and like like what uh, how we operate are programming this to essentially tap into that. Yeah. The the uber geniuses in the world um, that word partially used partially uh, like intentionally. They're figuring out how to capture and hold our attention and then monetize it. All right. And it's so, like a straightforward so with that, I'm not really a conspiracy theorist guy. Let's I just, I just think shit happens. Yeah. But on that term to capitalize or to let's just go further than capitalizing on money yeah. to capitalize on an effect. What if this is a form of population control? 300,000 people died a couple of years ago behind the phone while they were driving. Oh, yeah. Last year it was 600,000. Holy shit. That's crazy. So what if I mean what if it's something like that? Because why can't you put it down when you're driving? Mm-hmm. You're driving five minutes and you can't put the phone down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What is so addictive about this? Well, I can actually answer that if you want. <laughs> it's like the well, so for, for real, I'm gonna go to Instagram right now. Um, I mean, everything is like built to hijack our attention networks. The the color, oh, like it's 100%. incentivized. Like the things that are most captivating. Are incentivized the most. On but what this if this thing that's touted as like the greatest invention ever is our is our beginning of our destruction? There's no question it is in certain in certain ways. Sure, sure. Right. For sure. It's like and uh, it's always refer- so if you are on like a Facebook or an Instagram feed, there there's always like just the sliver of the next post, so you keep scrolling. Like right. it, it's like being in like a um, a casino in, in right. Vegas. It's like every little detail has been considered and is aimed towards something. Sure. There's nothing unintentional about. Yeah, about people this. aren't making billion dollars off stuff that doesn't work that's right that's right that's right but no i mean i I just this is you know that sounds really far out and people are probably listening thinking what the hell is he talking about but in in actuality man i've just i've thought about it in my own life like what what if my life came down to that like i'm sitting here telling you how valuable my life is and i've recognized that yeah but then i'm not going to wear a seatbelt, which is proven to be safety right i'm going to text while i'm driving what if i died for like what's up bro what if I died for that? That happens. It does. And I started thinking about that and I was like, man, what an what an idiot am I? You know, and like I'm sure I'll text when I drive at some point, but it's something that I've tried to 
really be aware of and really understand that, man, our life is, is so freaking valuable. And people ask me all the time, why aren't you powerlifting? Why aren't you doing this? It's like, I did it for 20 years, yeah. you know? And like, I love it. I still want to do it. But what am I sacrificing for it? Yeah. Man, I don't know. Like, I wrestle with it all the time because internally, I want to go to the gym right now. Mm-hmm. I want to lift 800 pounds. Like, I love that feeling. But I also love being healthy. I also being able to love run up a mountain and hike yeah. and climb and shoot my bow and play with my kid. And yeah. I, I don't know. It's just I don't fault anybody for it. It's just it's like when you've seen evidence. If you walk away from that evidence, then you're the fool, you know. Yeah. And evidence in my life is right now life's pretty good. Yeah, you know. So yeah. it's hard for me to want to go back to a point where everything was hinged around unhappiness. Yeah, I was angry at the world. The music that I listened to was geared around hate and yeah. hurt and pain. And uh, my training partners, you know, were they were my competition. They were no longer my friends. Yeah. I mean, it was just, if I had a bad lifting session, I had a bad day. Yeah. You know? And yeah. now, like, if I run slow, fuck, I'm, I'm glad I'm moving. Like, I had well, 15 knee surgeries. I'm, I'm up and moving. Definitely. Well, tell <laughs> us a little bit about that transition. I, like, we've seen you running up hills. Obviously, yeah. the erg is your new best friend. <laughs> What's that look like? Oh, man. You know, I think it just came down to a point where I was absolutely – Lost. I mean, yeah. truthfully, I was I was completely lost. I didn't know what I was going to do. <clears throat> it seemed like every single time I would get stronger, I would have another relapse. I'd have an infection with my with my knee. Mm-hmm. I'd be back in surgery. Um, and then what people don't realize in the last four years, fifteen surgeries. I had a mandatory four weeks on my back after every surgery. Hmm. You know, or like bed rest. You yeah, know, like I right. could get up and on my crutches and stuff. But it was basically lay down so if you do the math on that that's over a year of the last right. four that I spent on my back right uh, or primarily on my back I got to, <laughs> I had a lot of time to think you can only watch Breaking Bad so many times right. Right. you can only watch Mad Men so many times and on and on and on and I started to resent myself mm-hmm. like how many times can I watch Mad, Mad Men or Breaking Bad or the, you know The Wire or whatever it was and be okay with it yeah like if I get the opportunity to be off this couch, I'm damn sure not going to return mm-hmm. here willingly. Right. You know, so for me, like I tell people all the time, I get up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, usually before the alarm clock, mm-hmm. you know. And by the time I hit the bed, there is not this, oh, I'm going to lay here and read. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Like if I'm going to read, it's going to be at 2 or 3 in the afternoon when I'm hyped. At 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. I am crashing. Like, I am absolutely to the point of I can't hold my eyes open. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to get out of every single day. I am damn sure not going to sit on the couch and flip through three or four hours. I've done it. Don't fault anybody for doing it. This is my choice, my life. But, man, I spent a year on my back watching television. I do not want to watch television. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Uh, yeah. And and to transition from there, um, I wanted to be outside. Like, I looked at myself. When I was a kid, I hunted. I, I was always outside. I was a, a part of, like, just acti- like any activity I could get myself into, I was moving. I was doing it. I was sports, Boy Scout, whatever, whatever I could do, I was doing it. <clears throat> and I looked at my lifting. Get up around 11, eat, take a nap, get up around 3.30 or 4, go train, go eat, take a nap, or sit on the couch and watch television eat, stay up till three or four in the morning, do it all over again, day in and day out, day in and day out. It was Groundhog Day of the worst kind. Yes, it got me a result that people admired, but I was not 
anything worthwhile as a, as a human being. I was an ineffective human being. I was a good lifter. And I just got tired of that. I got tired of that equation. So immediately my doctors told me after the last surgery, you got to lose weight. The weight that you're putting on your leg is forcing your body to reject the activity that you're right, doing. Right. Your, your body is saying, we don't want to do this, so we're going to make you sick. Mm-hmm. Ultimately. I mean, that's that's probably very layman, but it was that's yeah. kind of what they explained it to me in, in very simple terms. So started losing weight. Man, I can actually move. I actually feel pretty good. Like, I'm not strong, but that's okay. I'm stronger than most. I'm not as strong as, you know. And I just kept going with it, and it was like... My doctors told me I'd never run. They literally told me I would never be able to run again. So I was out walking one day, and I was like, if I can run 10 feet, I beat the odds. Hmm. you know. So I just started going, and I ran two miles that day. The next day I ran three and a half. The next day I ran five. Then I ran seven. And then I actually started out with the intention of doing a half marathon. Yeah. And I started running. I got two miles in, and I was like, only a pussy start something with half in the title. Right. No, no offense to half marathoners out there, but that's that's kind of the psychology I had to have. Yeah. So I was like, I'm doing a full marathon. Wow. So I the way I do it is I'll park, and then I'll run exactly half as far away, mm-hmm. so I have to run half so the way got, back. You have no right? choice, right. So this, uh, this all goes back to a friend of mine. He's a coach that I had when I was a kid, probably a foundational father figure for me. But um, I got to mile 18, and I was struggling. Like mm-hmm. I was, I was done. I was cooked. I yeah. was like, "This is stupid." Uber, where are you? You know right, that kind right. of deal. And uh, he just got on the phone with me. And he was like, "Let's finish it." Yeah. You know. And he just kept talking to me about things that I did as a kid and things that I did, you know, when I played for him. And he was like, "You'd have been the last guy that would have ever quit." Mm-hmm. He's like, "You don't have quit in you." That's all I needed. And that's when I realized right then it was no longer about me because the effect that those words, "You don't have quit in you." I would have never said that to myself. Mm-hmm. I was like saying to myself, Uber, Uber, You're right, Uber. Right. But if that impact got me eight more miles when I was dead, like dying, what could a word that I say to someone else do? Mm-hmm. And that's when that whole idea of community, connection, mm-hmm. um, it's much bigger than me. So I started rowing. I started doing all that stuff. I started training for the 100,000 meter row. Mm-hmm. And dude people out of nowhere were messaging me like man thank you for this you got me off the couch i didn't know i could i couldn't run but this was a good way for me to do stuff yep and it was like now i'm really making a difference because i wasn't making a penny off of it like i wasn't getting shit out of it other than i was doing something honestly that i believed in and it was good for other people like other people were feeding off of it (coughs) and for me that that was the most power that i'd ever felt but it was a power that was not possessive it was a power that I was like freely giving, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people want that, you know, they want that power and they want to keep it and they want to be known like, fuck, if you look at my followers, I'm losing followers every day. If you look at my likes, they're just dropping down left and right. But you know what? I'm happier than I've ever been. I'm, Wait, I'm, is that, is that right? That's a real thing? I'll show you right now. Show me. I, I would venture a bet. I haven't looked in a while. I looked after... Uh, Dave Tate posted something about it a while back on his page about losing followers, and I just posted up what I'd done. So, okay, th- this this is a good week. This is a good week. I'm only down ninety followers this week. Down ninety. I'm down ninety followers. I was at I was at one hundred nineteen thousand followers at one point. I've yeah. just fallen under one hundred fifteen thousand. I'm at the big one one four. I was at one fifteen for a while, so I'm at one one four. And it's because 
it, you're not posting like max out deadlifts every other post, pretty much, or fuck it, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> who cares? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying like, is that is that why? Dude, you if, think? if I get, yeah, it yeah. it is, and it's like I get it. That's yeah. fair. I mean, it, you know, if if I go to a restaurant and I love the food, but then I go there and it starts sucking, I'm not going to keep eating there, right? So I, I get it. Like people want to, they want to watch what they want to watch. I'm not what they want to watch anymore. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> the people that are following me now, I'm getting more engagement from like on, mm-hmm. a, on a real level. Right. And, you know, there's still that little bit of selfishness. It's like, I could delete this and start all over. If I really didn't care, I would probably do that. But I do care. I mean, like, yeah. it's it's bigger than me. You know, like, I work for Sornex. I work for other companies. And they rely on that viewership. Mm-hmm. So sure. it's it's bigger than just my choice. My choice would be... I wouldn't have a cell phone. Right. I would not have a cell phone. I would have a landline, and you guys, this would be a Sayonara, and you guys wouldn't hear it from me again. That's right. But having my cell phone and having that page affords me the ability to be here. It affords me the ability to do what I do. So you got to juggle the good with the bad. We think about that all the time. It's like, do you want to be right or successful? (laughs) I think that we're right in the understanding that like this is kind of hijacking us, and it's pretty shitty in that way. But I also our goal is to like get to kids and coaches and like and influence in a positive sure. way and and you got to pay attention to well and that's the thing if to. all the good guys quit then what right you know that's so right. yeah it's it's a it's a different kind of thing and you're gonna it's gonna be the long game right but i do feel like the internet has shifted a little bit i really do i, I used to i used to dread going there and maybe it's it's me you know like we were talking about the reflection um we were talking about just how the world really is kind of what you put out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I could be a pretty polarizing figure, but I was also the loudest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you're not going to tell me I'm wrong because I'm just going to shout louder than you. Right. Right. And, um, <laughs> that, that happens a lot on the internet, Yeah, but I think there's enough checks and balances now. Like if you say something that's pretty ignorant, yeah, you're going to get smacked down pretty quick. You at least have to defend it. Right. Right. Yeah. And, People are people will surely step up to to crack you down, not so mm-hmm. much to support you, but they'll crack you down pretty mm-hmm. quick. So um, I just stopped getting in the fray. Like if I had something that I really strongly believe in, I'm not going to reinforce it by posting it, and I'm not going to let you attack it. If I if I believe it, like if I've done the, right. the legwork to believe in it, yeah, I don't need to share it. Right. And then that changed everything. Like I'm not sharing every little thought I have. I'm not sharing every little belief that I have, or every little right. training idea I have. Like I used to do it because. Okay, this is latest and greatest and newest. This is going to be worth something. Mm-hmm. Like it's likes or whatever, whatever kind of currency you want to call that. Right. But for me now, it's like maybe I should protect some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I should just save that for a rainy day when I'm really, really thinking about it and I want some opinion. Like I've, I've done enough to formulate the question in a way that I can get yeah. some valuable answers mm-hmm. or some valuable opinion or a valuable conversation. Um, if somebody comes on my page and they want to talk or engage me, I'll go all day with them. Right. If they want to say, "Oh, that's fucking stupid," blocked. I don't even. I don't even deal right. with it, you know. Right. And after a couple of months of just doing that, man, the internet doesn't seem so bad, you know. Right. So what I realize mm-hmm. is there's a very, very small number of negative. Um, well, there's a great number, but there's a vocal minority right there, mm-hmm. you know, that will get on your page and just trash you just right. because you're alive. Right. So. I just try to, to share more of the positive stuff that I got going on in my life. I share my struggles too, but um, I think it's been a we can win the internet if if we you can put, win the internet. We I can like that. we can win the internet if enough people continue to do the right things. Yeah, and we call people out on their bullshit. Yeah, you know that can happen. Yeah, 
I, I think that's that is true. I think uh, it could go viral either way, mm-hmm. right? And, and people with influence can have an impact. That impact has a ripple effect, and like that's one of the things I shouldn't even say this out loud. It's gonna like take whatever cachet we have and throw it away. But like we wanted to, we're trying to change the narrative around what it means to be like good. Like good doesn't have to be lame. Is the other thing. Like oh, like, yeah. like we love those. We um, I don't know if you remember this. We bumped into you at the Power Athlete yeah, yeah. just briefly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, we love those guys. I actually played yeah. football against Luke in high yeah. school. I don't, uh, but um, people are like, at first, they were like, wait a minute, like, you, like, I don't get it. You were on the podcast with the guys with the Crack Skull logo and stuff like yeah. that, and don't they swear? I'm like, like, for sure. Yeah. But, but they're honest. Yeah. They're well considered, they're direct, and they're genuinely good guys. So like that, that's one of the things. We want to peel whatever whatever the barrier of like, no, I can't I'm, I'm not good like that. I have to fulfill this role of being like the badass tough guy athlete or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Like peel it back a little bit. Well, you can be a badass on the platform yeah. or on the field, but you don't have to be stuffing people in lockers to you know. Well, you know, it, it's the thing, man. I um I have really, really began to understand a lot about others through myself. Yeah, and I look at you know I'm a tattooed guy. I'm mm. I'm big and burly, and the thing about it is, all of that was you know in one way, shape, or form done to mask the fact that I was an insecure little boy. Hmm. You know, I was still I, I just wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be liked. Um, I didn't really want to be confronted. So hell, I'm going to get in your face. Hmm. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. And when I recognize those attributes about myself, I almost have a forgiveness for people. You know, in others, I see that in them. I see them struggling in a lot of the same ways I was. I see them, and I have a friend of mine who's who's a psychologist, and he asked me a question that I, uh, through the course of this, you'll understand. I have friends that ask really good questions, but yeah. this this is one that was heavy, and it weighed on me. He said, "Did you ever think that you hated yourself so much you just wanted to paint yourself away while you covered yourself in the tattoos?" He said, "Did you ever just think you wanted to paint yourself away?" And I thought, holy shit. And I started asking myself, when did I get tattooed? When I was the most sad. I would go a year and not get tattooed when things were good. And then in six months, I'd get eight or nine more. Hmm. And I looked at those those segments when I got the, when I was heavily tattooed. Financial struggles, relationship struggles, personal struggles. You know, all these things. And it's like, man, maybe yeah. I was. Maybe that was an escapement, but I didn't want to escape. I didn't want to totally check out, but right. this was a way to do it. And, or maybe it was a way to keep you the hell away from me. Yeah, you know, and or even potentially, I'm just kind of riffing with you, but like uh, some semblance of control. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like this thing, I, I can pick this. I know yeah. what it feels like. Yeah, but all my tattoos, like only very recently, have I started getting positive themed tattoos. Yeah. All my tattoos were tied to negatives. Right. I mean, my red, my red roses are death. You know, and yeah. uh, these two right here are they signify two years of my life that I don't even remember. Hmm. You know, I was a dead person hmm. uh, in a in a body. Yeah, you know, and it's pretty crazy that I have that. And you know, the one on my neck, is it on this side or this side? I can't, I can't remember the rose, the rose over here. Yeah. You see, this is a human skull with fangs. Yeah. Like I was a monster. Hmm. So I had to kill that. We talked about that. The Sergio Simpson song. I decided to kill my ego. That song was just on in here. I'm oh, I know. Dude, yeah, but, yeah, I, yeah. but this is, this is me. Like I yeah. had, you know, I proverbially killed myself, yeah. but you know, I was at the point of suicide a couple times. Um, again, when people would have thought, man, that guy's flying. Yeah. But it's not that I was a depressed person. It's yeah. not that I was, um, you know, sad that my knees were broken or whatever. I had bullshitted the entire world. Yeah. I was 
I was not the big, strong, I was a fractured human. I was a person who was emotional. I was a person who was, you know, loving and caring. Yeah. But that wasn't cool. That yeah. wasn't real or that wasn't hard in the powerlifting world. Yeah. So I had to be, had to be somebody else and it just ate at me and it ate at me and ate at me. Right. And now, like, I think people see that side of me and they're like, I don't know about this guy. And people say, well, were you real then or were you real then? It's like. That's a fair question, yeah. but I'm real now, and like I said, yeah. I am proud of the guy that I am now. Well, even then, I think you were really trying to deal with stuff. Yeah, it was oh, real in its own way, kind of. Like I said, I checked out, man. I yeah. checked out for a number of years, and that led me on this roller coaster of who am I, what am I, what do I believe, what mm-hmm. don't I believe, and the sad thing is, is or not the sad thing, but the re- reality we live in now is that it's chronicled on a, mm-hmm. on a media stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, a lot of people did this forever like Mm -hmm. the coming of age or whatever you want to call it but it was done in silence and most of it was forgotten yeah we chronicle our biggest failures that we sometimes think are successes right you know so i gotta i have to linger on that one point so you you've been in tough places mentally it sounds like yeah uh what was the what brought you back and i say that not for sake of like whatever the podcast i like that's a big charge of ours. One of our missions is like, if you're part of a team, mm-hmm. there should be, always be someone to talk to. Yeah. We, lo- we lost a friend not sure. long ago uh, to suicide, and, and it's a big conversation in our world. So, so what's something that kind of, what was the, the, like the lighthouse on, that reminded you of Shore, whatever it might have been? Family. I yeah. mean, honestly, um, you know, I think when you, when you get to that bottom point, you're searching for that anchor so hard. You're looking for anything to, to have meaning. You're looking for anything to, and I'm just talking from my experience. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't try to classify no, no, no. anybody's depression as, as anybody else's. It's what's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. But, mm-hmm. um, that was it for me. It was like, I felt like, I mean, I got Lily tattooed across my stomach. Yeah. Right. And the reason I got that tattoo was for my grandfather. And I watched him battle cancer numerous times I watched him wither away and, and die just the horrific death that cancer can cause. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this man. He, you know, he's a Navy veteran. He was a man's man. Um, if you were to write everything he did down on paper, probably the, the good may outweigh the bad, the bad may outweigh the good. But I look at this man as a hero of mine, okay? And he looks at me on his deathbed and he said, you got a name and it has to mean something. So... To me, when I didn't mean anything, when my name didn't mean anything, when I thought I would do a favor to my friends and family that I felt like I had embarrassed, or I, I would have thought it's better for me to be a coward, yeah. or it's easier for me to be a coward than it is for me to pick up the phone and ask for help. Mm-hmm. So slammed a bunch of pills, um, sat there and flirted with the idea for a while, and you know had a pistol right there on the table, and in, in the reality of it all. I, just could, I, I was like, no, I, I owe this to people that, that cared enough to, to get me here. Like, I'm not going out like this. And honestly, it wasn't like this grandiose healing. It was just picked up the phone and made a call. Yeah. You know? And I, I don't know what it would have happened if that call wasn't answered, hmm. but it was, you know? And I don't know if in a different state of mind, I would have made the phone call. Hmm. But in that moment... I reached out for help. So it, it that is a feeling like true depression. I, and that's another word that gets thrown on a lot. Oh, I'm depressed. I'm right. depressed. Oh, right. whatever. Like there's a true 
melancholy, a true sadness that is a weight that you can feel. Like the sun doesn't, the sun is offensive to your to your face, even you know. And I got to a point where I hated the sight of myself. I hated everything in my life, and even saying it now, like I feel so ungrateful for those times. Yeah. But those times are what made me realize how good it is now. Like even on a even on a day that most people would say isn't an up day, it's just a day. Hell, I'm loving it. Yeah. You know? So I'm hoping if somebody's listening and they're going through some shit, I I still have bad days. I mm-hmm. still have days where, you know, stuff feels like it's gonna be impossible to fix. But on a long enough timeline, if you keep going, good stuff happens. Yeah. You know? Um, that that abruptness, that that stop, is what cancels that that possibility. You know, I've had suicide in my family. I mean, people have done it, and I've chosen to look at it in a different way. Much like the letter I read, you guys. <clears throat> I don't think necessarily that it's always a coward's way out. Mm-hmm. I think some people just make a choice that they've lived long enough and they've done enough. Like my great my great grandfather, he killed himself. And I think he felt like at the point in time my great grandmother had some health issues. I think he felt like his life burdened hers because she was a caretaker. She mm. up at four a.m. to cook his breakfast, iron yeah. his clothes, that kind of stuff. She was, I mean, she was near her deathbed, and I think he felt like he this dead. is the only way yeah. that I'm going to give her more life is to take my own. Hmm. And I hated him for a long time because he died right after my other grandfather with cancer. So I thought, oh, this guy's. A bitch like he he killed himself and my grandfather would have done anything to live right right right. yeah i hated him for it and then i got a little bit older and i dealt with my own stuff Mm -hmm. and i was like what if what if Mm -hmm. he wasn't a coward what if he was in full control and then i and then i was at least able to make peace with it you know sure you know it's not right you may not you don't may not like agree or condone sure but you can understand sure. which makes it well yeah. we're one of the, you know the Japanese culture it's almost a, a a primitive ritual of sacrifice harakiri yeah exactly That's right. so it, it's a cultural thing and I mean I, I think there is a definite sadness no matter what it is if you're if you're willing to think that death is more rewarding than, than tomorrow yeah that's a bad place to be that is uh, and I, I would say that anyone who even is entertaining that thought needs to, just like you said, like f- find someone else and at le- and talk through it at least. Hit me up. Yeah, I mean, there you seriously. Go. Um, I don't. I've done that. I, I, one of the last podcasts I did, I, I encourage people. If, if it was to me, yeah. reach out. I'll I'll call you. I'll give you my number. Like um, I'm nobody. Like I don't I don't keep my number private. If you if you take the time to send me a DM, I'm gonna call you. Yeah. You know, if if you're really hurting. Right. Um, it's important. I mean, that's like it goes back to exactly what I said before. If my words can make somebody else's life better, or you know, an action can make somebody's life better, fuck a program, fuck yeah. you know, any of that yeah. other stuff. It's it's important to me to to help people. And it started out with weight training, but if you saw my group that I have right now with lifters, it's only about twenty five percent lifting. The rest of it yeah. is is this kind of stuff. We're reading articles that challenge you. We're reading. Uh, stuff that that pushes you in a different direction and makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, we have a very very diverse group, and I mean we have some very very strong opinions, but everybody gets along. Yeah. And, and everybody's professional in that. Okay, we don't agree. That's mm-hmm. that's human nature. But at least we can talk about it. Yeah. And I don't know why we've gotten to a point where every there. Nobody's looking for a resolution. Everybody's looking to win or or to make someone else lose. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think. 
as a coach and an athlete, sometimes you can learn more from your athlete than they'll ever learn from you, hmm. you know. And when I started looking at things like that as a coach, I think I became a better coach, better father, better friend. Mm-hmm. You know, everything else fell into place because, like you said, I am not always right. Hmm. I am not exclusively correct. And even in the cube method, I've had guys send me submissions like about variations that they've done, more. and I'm yeah, like, yeah. holy shit, this is way better than what I did. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. What better what like what better gift than for somebody to take an idea and expand upon? Mm-hmm. It? You know, don't be don't be challenged by that. Be thankful right. for it. You right. Know? Well, that, everything. I don't want to go down too far of an art road here, but do it. I'm not joking. This so like this. I've got a bunch of uh, paintings and collages and stuff like that in this like Piltdown series. Yep. Um, and I actually did a. Uh, I had these shows. It was that one. So I had a, a reading at, a, at one of the Harvard libraries, and um, well, I had a, uh, an exhibit. I had like a painting thing, but but my reading, I read some poetry at the beginning, and then I just came. I, I just started talking about essentially this idea. It goes back to this idea a little bit: is that everything is only like a reassemblage of previously existing ideas. Like new thoughts is like you're reassembling old thoughts. It's that, uh, I don't know if you ever heard that thing about like, um, you know, what, what are babies dreams like? Mm -hmm. Like you, you, a baby's not dreaming of a lighthouse and an anchor and a, and a walrus skull. Right. They they don't have that. Like they they don't have those, um, those tools yet. They haven't experienced that in the world. They can't compartment, you know, they can't create within them. Um, I'm not going to go down that whole road because that would take me like 15 minutes, but, but the Piltdown man, I will, I will say this. Okay, so the Piltdown Man is they found this skull that was supposed to be like the missing link sure. of humans. It turned out to be fake. Uh, it was like a, it was a human skull and orangutan jawbone. Sure. And like whatever. And my mind just got racing. I actually went down a lot of different roads. <clears throat> but I did a lot of drawings of that skull. It just like stuck out to me as weird for one reason or whatever and, and didn't recognize why. But then I got into this idea of like replication, right? Like I, what I was doing was I was drawing a picture of a cast of a skull that was assembled. Like, it's just like, it's further and further away and every uh, subsequent step it took on different meaning. Oh yeah. I don't know how that applies to what we're talking about (laughs) anymore, but, but it's just, it's just really interesting to think about because I think, I think you do almost have to like, you have to unbraid and, and, and take a look at each strand and each idea on its own and then kind of come bring it all back together to create something new. Well, you're exactly right. And I, I, you know, I'm a Polonic fan, so I go back to Fight Club, you know, everything is a copy of a copy of a copy. Sure. And I think we can get into a hum and we talked about this too. We had a great conversation on the it way It sounds out like an amazing car ride. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, we get into this area of what I call home, and that's to me is just, it's the area where you're just existing. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not feeling, you're not emotional, you're not connected, you're just getting through your day. You're waking up, you're hitting the on button on yep. your Keurig, you're getting in your car, you're driving to work, you don't even know the cars that you passed. You're just, you're alive, but you're not living. Yep. You know? And I think a lot of... A lot of coaches get into that hum. You know, I can do my job. I have my certificates. I get my continuing education hours. And my my average uh, progression for my athletes is X pounds per semester or whatever it is. Yeah. What if you could do more? Mm-hmm. And and there's a, there's a balance there because you can drive yourself crazy with more. Absolutely. More can be destructive too. But when you get into that hum where you're just on cruise control, life might as well be over. Yeah. Because... It is, it is not a good place to be. 
nowhere in your childhood were you on home. Right. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. Absolutely. Uh, and I try to live as much like a child as I possibly can. I try to question things. I try to be excited about new things. I try to do old things in new ways, yep. uh, new things in old ways. Yep. And the more childlike I have tried to drive my life, the more excitement I've found in my life, um, the better I've felt, the better mm-hmm. I've thought, and the deeper my dreams are. And that sounds crazy, yeah. mm-hmm. but um, I feel like when you're when you're kind of stimulating the pineal gland all day long, like when you're doing stuff that's getting that going, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a psychological, uh, you know, a psychedelic effect anyway. It stimulates the pineal gland. But if you're doing that through action, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you, you do know. And, and I, I remember the reason why I got into this now because it's like it's about being intentional. It's sure. about It's about being mindful. And to quote you, it's it's about getting away from being alive but not really being alive. Yeah. But not really living. Well, yeah. And I mean, I, I think I would rather be more intentional than motivational. Yeah. You absolutely. Know, you know. Absolutely. Um, if I have intention, I'm going to do it with everything within me. Mm-hmm. Motivation comes and goes. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to get out of the bed today. Oh, it's raining outside. I'm not going to run. Yep. It takes a motivated person to do that. But if I have an intention, if I have the desire to be the best that I can be, staying in bed ain't it. Right. You know, um, staying in bed with your wife on a Sunday or, you know, with your kid or whatever it is. Some days those those yeah, are the best story. things you can right. do. That's right. But if it's you versus you, intention over motivation every single time. Yeah. Every yeah. single time. I love it. There you go. That's actually, that's a really good, that's a good way to sum it up. Intention over motivation or in the way we defined it earlier, hype. Uh, hey, coach, just, you got any lightning round questions for this guy? I guess so, for sure. Yeah. I have a feeling he's going <laughs> to knock the lightning round on the park. Favorite performer or artist right now? Favorite performer right now? Mm-hmm. Man, there's a lot. Um, Is Sturgill in the conversation? Oh, Sturgill's definitely. I mean, it's, it's down to a couple. Yeah. I mean, it's going to come down to, like I said, I've always felt music in a way that I, I can't really even begin to get into. Yeah. But um, I could, I would say Sturgill Simpson or Tyler Childers. Absolutely. You turned me on to Tyler. Also, I think he's pretty amazing. We were listening to him on the way over. He's yeah. uh, someone he, he, he lives just a few, I mean, just right up the road. Seriously? Yeah, I mean, like, not going to sit here and say that I know Tyler Childers. Yeah. But I've been listening to him in bars since 2013 there when he go. was playing for beer. Yeah. Like he was yeah, playing yeah. a drink for free, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, man. And, and that's that's something that I, I lost for a long time was the pride that I had in where I was from because I disconnected from it. Like, I was disconnected from my family and everything. But going back, those guys being from Kentucky and, you know, they could, they could go anywhere in the world and they're buying property right there. And not like, I'm going to buy 600 acres because I'm the big dick on the block. You right. know, I'm buying, I'm buying 30 acres. I'm putting a house here. I'm going to have a family here. And, like, yeah. I'm going to play music until the day I die. Like right. that's that's some kick ass stuff. Yeah, that, like that. that to me, that's punk rock. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, it is. It reminds me of like literally we're fifty feet from a place called Schwa. You ever yeah. heard of that? Yeah. Uh, have you actually? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. A food guy because yeah. you mentioned the Bourdain stuff. Yeah. So Michael Carlson is right over yeah. there. He's awesome. Right. Nice as can be. He's he's had he struggled with stuff. Sure. Over the course of the years, uh, uh, but he's amazing. And you talk about like being just like punk rock. Uh, I had a friend who did a stage, an internship over there, 
uh, and he was frustrated all the time. My friend was because he's like, he could be making so much money, he could be whatever. But the guy is cooking. He's like one of the most creative human beings on the planet. Just happens to like cookies out. We were over there. I had a uh, a carpenter ant moose yeah. one time, like legit, like car- yeah. like they're doing construction over there, like yeah. actual carpenter ants, and they like pay the bills and probably not much more. Yeah. But but he's living life and loves it. And For that's sure. His gig. That's his deal. That's the thing, man. Is like, <laughs> so. To get off to get off subject again because I've I've bought stuff you know I've been a material guy mm-hmm. I've I've done the house on the golf course I've done that kind of stuff yeah. and what you end up so are you impre- are you like oh dude like, listen, <laughs> I'm just joking. don't even I'm ask joking. me where I live right now I live in my, I live in my truck but um, <laughs> in, in all seriousness if you are buying something to fill a hole mm-hmm. that hole is never going to get filled because it's going to feel good for a moment and then you're going to realize oh somebody else. That's the reason we're a disposable society, like we talked about. That's why there's a 2018 whatever, right. and there was a 2017. The 2017s aren't bad. They're fine. They're fine, yeah. but it's a causation to feel less. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not the newest. It's mm-hmm. not the shiniest. It doesn't have that metallic flake in the paint yeah. or whatever. So if you're bought into that, if you're actually buying the selling that's going on every everywhere around us, um, you're never going to be happy. And that was for right. me like... Uh, that was crucial for me was to just get away from all that shit and just totally, who the hell are you? What the hell are you? What do you believe? What do you care about? And then from there, you can kind of look at, do I really need that? Is that going to make me a better person? No? Okay. I don't need it. I got like five t-shirts and three pairs of shorts now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I simplified sure. a lot, dude. Like, I'm unbuttoning my shirts though. That's that's the new thing right now. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm letting that taco meat fly. <laughs> oh, uh, dude, I gotta find this. Nads, you know what I'm looking for based on what you just said? Uh, I have an idea. Um, have you oh, read this? Oh. Heard about this? It's called This Is Water. No, I have not. Oh man. Okay. This this copy is yours. If you worship, talking yes, about worship exactly that right. that you know line where it comes in in this. Um, it's. Towards I, I like towards the end is the only helpful thing okay. I could say. Um, oh, here you go. Yeah. You have to get. You mind if I read this to you? Please. Okay. This is from uh, This Is Water, David Foster Wallace. It's like changed my life. You can have this copy. You can speak to it later if you want. That's to. something I do. I gift books all the time. Yeah. And I write letters. There you go. <laughs> I like it. Uh, English guys. Yep. Okay, so in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship, be it JC or Allah or be it Yahweh or the Wiccan Mother Goddess or Four Noble Truths or some infrangible set of ethical principles is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you. On one level, we all know this already. It's been codified as myths, proverbs, cliches, bromides, epigrams, parables, the skeleton of every great story. The trick is keeping the truth up front in daily consciousness. Worship power, you will feel weak and afraid. 
and you will need ever more power over others to keep that fear at bay. And I could keep going on with this, but I'll just let you kind of investigate sure, if you want. But it's like exactly what you're saying. Well, and I think that's what it boils down to is, listen, if you remove the social construct of, of morality, society, if you remove everything, it gets down to a point of like what we absolutely are. I am, And there's this thing that I, I'll share with you guys that it's, it's very, very powerfully impacted my life. And it's called the naked truth. And it's it comes down to the fact I am exactly what I am. Like I am nothing more than what I am. Um, all that I can ever control and contain is my knowledge. Because anything that's physical, whether it be a, a girlfriend, a wife, can be taken. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether it be situational or it be another person. Um, money can be gained and lost. Material can be gained and lost. So all that I ever am mm-hmm. is this. Yep. And that naked truth is being able to say exactly what I am and to be accepted for that. Hmm. To have no fear in saying anything. To have no fear to my friends to say, this is exactly what I believe and I firmly believe it because I've investigated it. I've asked myself over and over again, what does this mean to me? And being able to have that accepted is acceptance of me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not because I'm wearing the right shirt. And, and I'll tell you, and to get even deeper into it, it broke my heart. I was at a school, uh, my son was having a program, and it was an awards day. And there's a little girl there who I've been told is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. From my suspicion, uh, because the person who told me that she was brilliant can't go into details, I suspected that she had lice. Her hair was, was pretty chopped up. Her shoes were flopping because they were probably hand-me-downs. Her clothes were misfitting because they looked like they were hand-me-downs as well. The only person that did not get high fives from the other kids was this 10-year-old little girl. And I wonder if she had the right haircut, if she wore the right tennis shoes, if she wore the right outfit, if she would have gotten those high fives. And at 10 years old, all the brilliance. I mean, I heard one of her I heard one of her writings. Yeah. It was not a 10-year-old writing. Yeah. Like you know, it was it was powerful. Yeah. That is being overshadowed by what she wore. Yeah. And that, to me, is heartbreaking because she knew it. She never... Every other kid, as soon as they got their award, they stuck their hand out. Yeah. She kept her hands on both sides of the paper and kept her head down. And it broke... Dude, it broke me. Like, I sat there, and it, it, it hurt me in a way because that's what we're telling them. Yeah, right. No matter what you know... You're that girl with lice. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Her naked truth is that she is beyond powerful. But I hope that society and the system don't beat her down before she realizes it. Mm-hmm. And my fear is she's a woman. Mm-hmm. She's going to be told that she's less because of her socioeconomic status. Society is stacked right. against her in a lot of ways. Right. I hope better for her. Well, okay, so you're just, this is, this is what's happening. This is, or, or how I see it at least. So you talked about like what is uh, what is what you kind of went through and in, in the, uh, the the following that you gathered by by lifting more weight than most human beings could ever dream of. Mm-hmm. What what good is that except for a couple bucks and whatever? So I would venture to say that what you've got, what you've developed for your built for yourself, is a platform to share lessons like that from. I hope so. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's like. Well, I'm, you know, it goes down to platform and purpose. Mm-hmm. My platform was lifting. Yeah, I'm realizing my purpose every day. Yeah, talking to you guys, talking to kids, talking to people. 
if all I ever helped was lifters, I feel like I failed. Yeah. You know? I, but it's not a bad place to start. No, no, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I'm with it, you. And everybody has to have a platform. Yep. And life is not over today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all, we're, none of us are getting out alive, but it's a progression. It's a work in progress. And I think we all get in such a damn hurry yeah. that we skip steps. And those skip steps are sometimes the very steps we need to keep the momentum going. And sometimes we get to a roadblock because we didn't take the right steps. So we have to w- be willing to slow down and also redirect ourselves when those roadblocks come. Sometimes you got to push through, but most of the time, life kind of guides you where you need to go. I found that. I used to be as bullheaded as I come, but I found life gets a lot better when you go with the flow. Hmm. You know, and I've been on some very... This, this, this would classify as a different type podcast for me. Yeah. You know, it's not talking X's and O's, reps and sets. Right. It wasn't planned that way. It's right, just what right. happened. And, right. I th- and I think it was genuine. Um, I think, like I said, I feel like we'd had that conversation before. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Somewhere, but, um, yeah. you know, I feel like I had those premonitions or those feelings for this reason, to, mm-hmm. to have this heard. Um, and I hope that somebody hears it and I hope somebody grabs onto it because yeah. if it's just one, great. Yeah. That's more than I, than I would have had to sit at home. Right. You know, if it's more than that, even better. Dude, and okay, we got to get to the lightning round thing, or I'm gonna get too ch- ch- uh, like choked up, whatever. Because like even just that, like I can't help but think about like our guy, you know, like it just helped us one, like fuck yeah, that's worth it. Yeah, it you is. Know? Yeah, it, it's we're seven billion people th- that are like ants on a screen, like on a yeah. television screen. Yeah. You look at any other animal that that moves as a as a flock. Like yeah. watch watch fish in the ocean, watch birds in the sky. Yeah. They're not bumping into each other. Right. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they flow yeah, with yeah, each yeah. other. We're stomping on each other. That's, yeah. It's a, it's a failure of every single one of us. We all have a responsibility. I think it's amazing. Um, okay, I'm going to, can we do one thing? I hope one of those lightning round questions is something that uh, lets him brag about how strong he is. Can we do that? I just want to make sure the yeah. podcast has some of that in it. Because, like, we are talking to one of the most powerful people on the planet. Tell me if I'm tell me if I'm misquoting this. Twenty six hundred plus equipped. Yep. Twenty two hundred plus raw. Yep. And for sure over two thousand in what they call retro, just a belt, right? Twenty one ten belt. Yeah. Twenty two thirty seven uh, with belts and wraps, belt and wraps, and then twenty six twelve with a uh, with multi ply gear. And so like top twenty all time in all three. Yeah, I was ranked. I was ranked number one for a couple of years there. Um, yeah. Active, not all active, time, not right. all time. Right, right, right. But yeah, I'd been in. You know, I, I don't know what it is now because guys are phenomenal now. I like yeah. honestly, if that tells you how far away from those numbers I am, I haven't even checked where I'm at. Like I, I just right, know yeah, that yeah. people are kicking my ass, and that's. I would rather look at it as maybe somebody saw me do that yeah. and believe they could do more, hmm. and I feel like hell yeah, I'm gonna yeah. applaud the shit out of them rather than saying you know what. Screw that guy. Right. Because that goes back to what I was saying. If my performance helped a guy get better, and I get messages like that from yeah. people that are better than me. You know, man, I, I started this because of you, or I saw this video that you put out and it motivated me, or whatever. Hell yeah, man. Like, yeah. hell yeah. Um, I'm not selfish to those rights at all. Like, they're right. just numbers. Right. Um, I, I want to talk to those people and say, man, I hope you, that you realize you're more than a number. Because I was, ju- I was just a number for a long time. Mm-hmm. My whole world revolved around five pound PRs. If, right. if I didn't get those, I was a piece of shit. We we might have to ask him to record some of the ISPLA stuff. Like yeah. we we've been lucky to be part of some like 
we put together and, and worked with some pretty good power lifters. But one thing we do is like we try to keep them off uh, the internet. Like we don't want them record searching. Sure. You know what I mean? Because like you, I, I was the same way. I've competed. You know, I'm mm-hmm. nowhere near as strong as you, but I, I've competed and I've done okay. But like I, I remember going just down like spirals of like, well, what's this guy getting? Yeah. What's two forty two like in that meet? Like, can I compete over here? Where should I be? You instead of just like show up, do the work, go get sure. some food. Well, and you know, you get to you get like I said, uh, I don't remember how I quoted it exactly, but it made a lot of sense. Originally, I was training to get better. Yeah, and then I was started training to get a specific result. Right. I got worse when I got result focused mm-hmm. rather than just training to get improvement. Mm-hmm. Like not improvement in five pound increments, mm-hmm. improvement on, okay, I'm eating better. I'm sleeping better. I'm moving better. I'm lifting better. You know, I became only, I, I only considered myself better when I got those PRs, Yeah, you know, and that was not, and it was only maximum PRs. Uh-huh. I could get rep PRs all day long and I'm like, oh, who gives a shit, you know, right. and I would tear myself apart. So if you become result driven, you're really gonna have a long, long, unfortunate process. Really, yeah. It's it. I think I've told you this before. There was a time I came. I went to a small college, uh, Knox College. That was my first degree. I absolutely loved the place. Um, and then coming out, I was like, well, what do I do now? So I chased like a low level professional career. And then, but every it felt like every four months, if I didn't have something I could like frame and put on the wall, like. I was just I, I would go crazy mm-hmm. uh, for real and it, that that probably that was probably my least healthy relationship to competition I've had in my whole life yeah yeah um, and part of it I think is because I was doing it solo kind of I was whatever you're in high school you're on a team college you're on a team I'm trying to make rosters now sure and the team thing just feels different yeah um, yeah it was crazy so I, I, I yeah know that absolutely as well. um, you're not playing the game for the game you're playing it for a purpose like that's for, right for I'm playing it. I'm only playing the game to get on that roster. Mm-hmm. I'm not playing it for the love of the game anymore. Totally. I just, I actually just was writing about this too. Um, whatever. There's, I'm not going to over. It was indoor arena football. The yeah. the checks were not big. Yeah. But still, the motivation had slightly changed. You sure. Know, in the locker room, you're not talking about like where you're going to go on, you know, with your buddies for dinner afterwards. Right. It's like, uh, hey, uh, Cleveland's got a. They just started a team. I'm going to have a better chance at playing a quarterback. Yeah. I still want to make the league. I'm moving there into. It was those kind of conversations. Sure. So, yeah, motivation had changed. Go for it, man. Lightning, <laughs> lightning, lightning round. Lightning round. Favorite book and movie. Atlas Shrugged and uh, Fight Club. Correct answer. Yeah, yeah. In the, yeah. <laughs> I was. I it threw and me you, off because they're both also you books inter- you and movies. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna specify which. But I, you can you go either way. Did that yeah, on purpose. <laughs> no, I will. Say, Atlas Shrugged um, was a very impactful book. Um, Fight Club was, dude. Polonics just like sledgehammers on a typewriter. Dude. Have you read some of his other stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he got kind of monotone with some of his with some of his later works, but. Man, Choke, Lullaby, uh, Fight Club, Pygmy, those are pretty good. Like, is, it, is Choke the one, um, what's the one where the guy's building the like the rubble statue the whole time? Yeah, Choke. Is that, that's Choke. Yeah. That's got one of the best lines, I'm sorry to get us off track again. No. One of the best lines, in eight, like, he is like a, he's a fun author, it, it, you're like, he's like, he's smashing the keyboard, yeah. it is crazy, it is like, whatever you want to say, he like, he'll, he'll dive in, he's got some pretty intense stuff. But there's a line at the end of that. He he spends the entire book, this guy, like trying to figure himself out. He's building whatever this structure is, and 
part of the suspense of it is like, what is this structure going to be? Um, and he's standing there at the end. Oh, oh, at the end. Sorry, spoiler alert. If anyone wants to read this thing, nobody reads but, anymore. Okay, Go for fair it. Enough, fair <laughs> enough, fair <laughs> uh, so he's building the structure through the entire thing. And, and and I don't know if he was sabotaged or whatever, but eventually it comes down. And he's the whole book is like, what is this going to turn into? And then it topples. And you think he's getting his life together and all that stuff, and this boom, it's rubble. And, and but then he's standing there. This is this image of him standing there in the midst of all this rubble and he's optimistic for the first time maybe ever he's like in the midst of all this rubble what I build now can be anything well and that goes right into that goes into Fight Club it's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything that's right you know and I think that's where I say he got a little monotone because there are reoccurring themes but I don't fault him for it because I think as an artist you can appreciate this Picasso's blue period you know you go through themes you go through feelings you go through emotions and if this is his expressionism yeah He's going to have reoccurring yeah. themes in there, like so. I don't fault him for it, but right. it, for me as a reader looking for something more to gnaw on, right. I felt like I, it was a little redundant. That's so, fair. That's yeah. fair. And I think, to, right from his perspective, it's like you're always like, did I get it that last time, or what if I said it this way? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You're continually trying to. Yeah. Anyway, lightning. Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. This is great. Um, <clears throat> what would constitute a successful day for you? Up at four thirty, coffee, sunrise, riding, reading, training, all before nine a.m. Um, spending the entire day with my family, <sighs> spending the entire day with my family, and uh, yeah, just having people around that I love. You know, having people there that I absolutely love, and shit, man, just cooking good food, listening to good music. It doesn't have to be spectacular. That's it for me. Okay. It's just having having a little bit to myself, mm-hmm. and then having everything else for everybody else. There you go. Put me in a kitchen. Give me some meat. Give me a grill. Give me a give me a radio station with some good country music, and I am happy as hell, man. There it is. <laughs> the essentials. Uh, I don't know why that hit me so hard, but man, it did. That's good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um. All right. What was your first job? Uh, my first job was a farm. Um, it's not very sexy or exciting, but it was the thing that I, I realized most about that is you got what you work for. Mm-hmm. Um, if you went too fast, you missed spots in the tobacco field, holes in the fields, money lost. Yep. And money lost is food off the table. Food off the table is, is, is real, you know? Yeah. Um, that was my first job. It was also something that I saw, and I go back to this theme of community. We were rotational. You know, Monday, Tuesday, we're setting tobacco at a seals farm the next day we're over at an Ison farm and the next day we're over here all the same people but we're rotating working together because we can't do it nobody can do it alone right in the morning you go to somebody's house they got a big country breakfast gravy biscuits eggs bacon sausage you go eat that you go out in the field and you work your ass off you get a bologna sandwich bag of chips and a if you're lucky they might give you a Budweiser but most of yeah, the time it was yeah. a it was an ale eight that's a ginger ale drink we got down there it's mm-hmm. exclusive to Kentucky then at night, all the women would potluck. Hmm. And all day long, you just got this reoccurrence of family and support and yeah. and togetherness. And then you watch a crop grow, and you take it from a seed in the ground to cutting it down, to, to putting it in a barn, and then stripping it down in the winter, taking it to sale. And it's just a cycle. It's, it's a cycle of life yeah. through something else that you can witness in a short spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I think I understood life a lot of times at 16 14, 12, 
better than I did at 25. Hmm. Now that I'm 36, I'm putting those fuck-ups at 25 together with the life lessons I had at 12, 14, 16, 18, and now I'm starting to get a better look at the whole thing. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm hopefully I'm not in the stripping stage of the tobacco process in my own life because if so, I'm going to sale pretty soon, (laughs) and that ain't good for anybody. But, you know, um, I I got a life cycle too, you know? Yeah. And um, we, we come from the ground and we go back to the ground. So I think for me... That was a, that was a very powerful lesson. But if you want to talk taxpayers' dollars, uh, KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Fair oh. enough. I like that. <laughs> there we go. That both of those things probably came together to inform your career as a power lifter. Oh hell yeah! Well, there, it actually did. Um, we have we would have leftovers there, you know, that they were just going to throw in the trash. And I would yeah. beg them. All, no, hell no. Right, right. Give me that. Yeah. So I was eating. I was eating. I. Kentucky Fried Chicken, Colonel Sanders, if you're listening, sponsorships are available. <laughs> I, I cut my teeth in the gym. I gained 40 pounds my senior year in high school, and all I ate was KFC. Fueled by KFC. Fueled by KFC. Power performance KFC. We got to reach out. Advice to a future leader from a leader. Yourself on anything. I mean, you have given us Lots so much yeah. so far. Uh, so I don't. I don't want to try and like cheapen or distill it. But leaders don't lead forever. Leaders build leaders. And I think a lot of times you see people in leadership positions that that they deny the fact that they're going to have to relinquish that at some point. I was that guy too, but I understand now that I am much better served if people follow me and they see that. I'm giving to others rather than taking from others. I think that's it. Leaders have to build leaders. Yeah, this guy's okay. Yeah, he's got a lot of good stuff to say. Amazing stuff. A lot of good stuff. Uh, Well, we have, I've got a couple things I want to run past you off the air, if these are considered the airwaves. But, dude, thanks so much for spending time with us. I appreciate the honesty. We appreciate everything you've done uh, for real. And And I think one of the reasons we were so excited to have you on was because, like, what an incredible we've kind of identified today what an incredible spokesperson you can you can be for being like well rounded you can be a badass and be a caring kind member of a community like those don't have to be I think um, I think you know the book of five rings touches on this you know you'd rather be a a samurai in a garden than a gardener in a battlefield you know Mm, and I think there's something to be said for that and also uh, Musashi talked about the fact of the, the sword used to control him and then he picked up a paintbrush and he picked up poetry and then he chose the sword so he was in control mm-hmm. and that was very much me for powerlifting yeah. powerlifting controlled every decision i made and only when i stepped back and i gained perspective on family friends um, music art all these things had a had a place in a piece of the pie mm-hmm. then i could choose powerlifting and it was a choice right. it was no longer what was controlling me it was no longer an addiction and um, i just want to say to people out there you talk about honesty and you talk about that Listen, I have I have hidden parts of my truth over the years because they were ugly, because they were they were hard. The best way to free yourself of that is to be honest about it, to face it, to judge yourself more harshly than anyone will ever judge you. And then it comes down to that naked truth. If someone doesn't accept you for what your truth is, that's okay. They don't have to. But I see a lot of people who are out there on the internet who are struggling because they're existing in one spectrum over here and there's somebody totally different over here. It'll eat you alive. I did it. I mean, I, I tried to be the hard guy. Um, you know, I, I dropped a lot of F-bombs today, but 
um, that's typically not who I am. It mm-hmm. diminishes what I went to school for. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you I'm yeah. passionate. I'm passionate, and yeah. sometimes, yeah, that is how I speak. Sometimes, sure. But if I can articulate what my emotion is with the proper language, yeah, that's going to go a lot further than that because somebody will turn me off because of that language, hmm. and that might be the very person I need to get through. So imagine yourself as a story. Somebody's watching your story, and at some point when they tell, they can tell that it's no longer real. They turn it off. Mm-hmm. And just as about the point where you're going to help them out, they clicked it off because you got fake. Yeah. You know, be real all the time. Huh. Even if even if it hurts, be real. So, yeah, thank you again, man. Oh, thank I, you, it, guys. It's incredible messaging. Uh, I hope a lot of people listen to it. I'll, so, I'll pump the shit it. out of it. <laughs> Love it. Love it. This episode brought to you by Hand Armor Chalk, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting. They are also the official sponsor of the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association, a partner organization overseen by the Good Athlete Project. We would not support a product we didn't believe in. Check them out at Hand Armor Chalk on Twitter and Instagram.